What I was hoping we could get to today is the how. What are the different tools or elements or creative ways that you've seen change management work really well? Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. Today, we continue our conversation with Donna Vitale talking about change management. In this episode, I hope to get to a few more specific questions on how to implement change management. Welcome back, Donna. Thanks again for giving us giving us your time and joining us here. We know Three Great Questions is a busy operation and we appreciate your joining us. Um, Thanks so much. In our first discussion about change management, we went in a lot of different directions about what change management is and how it isn't the same as digital transformation or organizational development, but can support more successful digital transformations or other changes. What I was hoping we could get to today is the how, like Lee said, what are the different tools or elements or creative ways that you've seen change management work really well? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, I think one key definitely has to be communications and just you know, from a practical perspective, the universe of push communications where you're actually sending things out to people, scheduling town halls, getting people to hear messaging, and then pull communications where, you know, you're cognizant that not everybody actually ingests a message when you're delivering it, but they are going to need it. So you actually stage things that they can go get when they need it when they're ready to digest, when they're not in denial about your change <laughs> um, and they can actually go get it. So there's that whole universe of what you can stage as far as information, education, encouragement. But then I think there's also a communication component related to helping people actually get on board and participate in the vision of the end result. So you want people to see the end with you and believe in it because you want them to be champions. You want them to be participants. You want them to see something for the, you know, that's in it for them. That's like really important. And so those, you know, aside from just the communications that are push and pull, you can have these really interactive communications where people are participating in like a, a visioning session. Um, where they're sharing information so others can hear it and so that they get a greater awareness. And I'm thinking of a visioning session actually that we worked on together years ago, Maura and, and I um, at another company that we knew that we wanted to, at the time, amplify the information program so that we had uh, really deeper reach into the electronic records than, than we had had before. And uh, we had a lot of stakeholders from different groups who were key to their departments and business units. They had this really deep subject matter expertise, but they also had influence and they had the ability to shape their organizations and leverage resources around the organization for good. And like we got, I don't know if it was like 30 people or something in a room and many of them had never met each other. They didn't even know what they did. And 
all of them had really key parts to play in this new vision. So while that was part of a larger transformation effort, bringing them together really helped from a change management perspective to, to have them sit down and accept that they actually were this role in change and that they were going to have this, this role to play where they could participate. And then they also shared information with each other. And that was uh, important. And that, that was part of, you know, another key for change management, which was a larger project plan. We had a very defined project plan of where we were, where we wanted to go, by what time, what, what it would take to get us there. And I think that's another part of the tool set that has to be, you know, has to, has to be realized right up front and has to be realized not just with milestones, but with, you know, hopefully some points of urgency in it, which is, you know, really key to, to um, change management is getting information about why there's an urgency, whether it's spend is too high and it's unsustainable or a system's changing and you're not going to get paid if you don't do it this way. <laughs> I think that that's why I love working with organizations that are in high change mode because you don't have to manufacture the urgency. <laughs> There's already urgency. The phone numbers won't work if we don't transfer the accounts. You know. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to be said for real urgency versus manufactured. But you said you said a couple of really interesting and important things in there. One, first of all, thank you so much for that perfect introduction to an episode that you haven't heard, but that Lee and I have already recorded on the value of a project plan and project management as a communication and change management tool. So we did not, we did not prompt Donna to do that listeners. Absolutely. I wrote that down too. (laughs) So thanks. But the second thing was that uh, visioning session that we did together was one of the ones that I actually go back to in my mind all the time as an example, because we ended up in a really productive and effective discussion about risk tolerance in that session, about probability versus impact and what was the tolerance in the organization for key risks. And the risks were not about the success of the project. The risks were about what is the risk to our business and how does this information management program impact that for better or worse? And it was really one of the most impactful, just to use that word 47 times, uh, the most impactful visioning sessions that we've done across all these years with all the different clients that we've had. That one to me, because it was real, there was huge urgency and, and you were right. The, um, funnily enough, the fact that people in the room had not met, I think increased how, how it affected them. Yeah, I would agree with that. And they they did seem to become part of a larger something. And that something was really effective as we went trying to implement and create down the road. It was really key to have them. Which is another theme that we've been carrying out through our whole podcast, multiple episodes, is that champion network, getting your stakeholder crowd together in your organization, whether you have a consultant helping you or you're doing this on your own, you need more people. One person cannot make change happen, usually. Right. Not lasting change, not, um, not change, which if you think about, there's a, um, 
couple of different versions of a, a change management scale or a change scale that goes from resistance, or I think you called it denial, Donna, <laughs> um, through sort of awareness, understanding, acceptance or acquiescence kind of on the negative side to internalization, which is what we're all aiming for in these big change programs is we want them to be the new way of working. We don't want it to be that you have to think about it every time. So um, tool set, you mentioned push and pull communications. Push being somebody central, you're in the organization, you're the team leader, you're the group that's leading this change. You're pushing out messaging, typically emails, but maybe also a website, an internal website where you're posting things. The pull side, as you mentioned, is putting information out there for when people are ready for it. Um, and you and I worked uh, a couple of years ago on a project, a spinning off of a small company from a big company. And I think you wrote mm, two dozen quick reference guides for, for how to do things to get people ready. Yes. You know, it's funny, you can have one document that, you know, has everything in it, but people just cannot, you talked about the different phases that you go through, like people cannot just sit down with a tome and get there. You know, you really have to give them job aids or quick reference guides and a little at a time. And then, and then actually have some really full material to back it up with. So they can actually go and look at the details when they're ready, but it is about serving in bite-sized pieces and full plates. I feel you, you need to be doing both. I totally agree with that. And I am completely guilty of if it's a long email, I'm not reading it. <laughs> so short, sweet, get to the point real quick. Here's one liner. This is what's going to happen to you, whatever the case may be. Or like you're saying, quick reference guides, quick, you know, one page or maybe half a page so that you can get to the point. Yeah, you are, uh, we're living in the world of too long, didn't read, as they say. Instant gratification. Yeah, instant gratification and short attention spans. And the challenge for me is there's always so much nuance that I think is important and that I want people to understand. And uh, it is a hard lesson that people don't want to know that nuance and that you <laughs> need to break it down. <laughs> it is a hard lesson for me. <laughs> but I try, but just, I think there, there is a place for that nuance. Like, so I think you do have to give people what they want. Definitely. That is key, but I think you can't lose that nuance. You just have to figure out where to put it because there is going to be a day when somebody says, this is so easy. Let's just change it to do this instead, because this is our new challenge. And and not having that nuance recorded somewhere becomes then impactful for the next initiative. Because they break something. <laughs> they break something. Yes. But, and it goes to the fact that this is actually a science. Like there's a psychology behind the whole change management, right? It's not just, as I said, episodes ago, there's, it's not fluff anymore. You, you have to understand your organization and how they receive information to be able to help them move in a direction. Funny, I feel like when change management first hit the scene, it, there was like, there'd be a little pamphlet, here's change management, <laughs> you know? And then there was like, John Cotter, our iceberg is melting, you know? And it was like a, I don't know, an hour read, not even. Um, but there are like these whole 
degrees and certificates. And it is, there is a lot of science behind it now. And there are different methodologies depending on uh, what you believe or how your organization operates. So definitely. I think that's a key piece is what change management approaches fit your organizational culture. Are you the army where everyone is is committed to following the chain of command, following orders, and not looking for a workaround, not questioning different things? Or are you a startup, an internet startup where everybody is a genius um, in their own minds at least, and wants to you know put their stamp on it because that's you know they're here and they're committed and they're making a difference. It's really harder to get consensus in an environment like that. And it takes a lot more change management effort to bring people along than in that sort of command and control environment where people have voluntarily moved themselves into a space of, I'm not going to ask this question. I'm going to do what I'm told. And it makes a huge difference. We talk a lot in this podcast and different episodes about how the relationship between your staff and the information is critical and it's their behaviors around information that you're really trying to influence. And there's some things you can, you know, cut off access technologically. And then there's things you can't change technologically and you have to count on people to do the right thing. The right thing being whatever you've decided as a group is the thing we're going to do now. And left to their own devices, people will try to do the right thing. But if you don't have a shared vision of that, you're going to get 700 different answers for 700 people. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I, I would say also, I think getting to why is, is helpful for any organization, you know, regardless of the culture, like being able to articulate why this matters whether people would be compliant otherwise or not. So, you know, like in an, in a military environment, people are still going, they're going to embrace compliance in a different way than a startup, as you said, but at the end of the day, you want to get their heart in it too, whether they're going to follow it along or not. Like if you can get their heart into it, that's, and that is one of Cotter's principles for change. Anyway, it's about getting to your heart, but, but like I um, have an example from Years ago, there was um, an initiative where they were updating the accounting uh, program as like an accounting transformation. And, and there were some things that were broken and nobody liked the existing stuff, but nobody wants to hear about new accounting processes anyway. Like no matter how bad it is, they don't want to hear that they have to do it a new way now, now again. But the CFO said, why are we doing this? Like I, they asked me why we're doing this. And I just want people to be able to buy stuff. And like the whole room almost just went, yeah, we just want to buy stuff. You know, like everybody just wants to buy stuff. If that's why we're doing this, that feels great. So if you can get to the why and it's a meaningful why, it's not just like we want to save a few dollars. It's like a, a why that matters. I think that helps tremendously. I think it helps, but I also think that's because we're all about consensus building, the three of us and, and our space and our world. That's what's important to us. I always want to know why. How many times do I ask why? You know, the five whys, like all the, you're never to the end of the why. <laughs> so I agree, it really helps. 
but I actually think that that's a bias we have. <laughs> Good point. I'm just trying to question it's all the whys in my own head too. <laughs> Why would you say that, Maura? Why would you say that? <laughs> exactly. You guys are too much. Uh, thank you, Donna. Thank you for helping us out today. Appreciate it tremendously. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please share it with people in your social media network. This will help us get the podcast out to a wider audience and allow us to help more people. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes out to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. So I know you just wrapped everything up, Lee. But, <laughs> but you um, got something to say. I just have a hook. We yeah. haven't talked about training at all. <laughs>